Welcome to MedHeads, the weekly show that brings a biopsychosocial focus to issues of the day, along with special guests who will showcase their expertise and enthusiasm about their field of practice. Your host, Dr. Fergal Armstrong. Hello, everyone. My name is Dr. Fergal Armstrong, and welcome to MedHeads. Today we have with us Craig and Oscar. Hello, guys. How are we? Great, thanks, Fergal. Good Taking day, on Melbourne. Good, good. So I thought today we'd talk about uh, peer support recovery models. So Oscar, just to, just to start off with, what is out there? What type of models are available to us? Um, so the first one that comes to mind is the 12 step models. Mm -hmm. um, so that's, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous. There's pretty much a 12 step program for any kind of addiction you could think of. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also Smart Recovery, um, which is much more based in the here and now and is more about week to week goal setting in a peer support environment. Mm -hmm. um, and then there's also a lot of other peer support groups in the community that are run by different peer workers in different organizations. Um, with those, a lot of the time to join those peer groups, you have to be a client of the organization that has the peer workers that are running mm -hmm. it. Um, yeah, and, and, and the, the kind of structures of those community peer groups uh, varies greatly. Is there any way that you could describe that variation or is it even relevant? Um, I look like not, not particularly. I mean, um, it's basically up to the peer workers who are setting up the group what mm. they want the theme of the group to be. All right. Um, you right. know, yeah, whether it's just a weekly check-in or if they're talking on a topic or, yeah. All right. Okay. So what I'm hearing is that basically there are three types of peer support groups. Firstly, there's the anonymous group, then there's smart recovery, and then there's specific organizational-based uh, models which are unique to that organization. So let's focus now on the smart recovery model and the anonymous model. So, Craig, tell us a little bit about the principles that underpin smart recovery. What, what goes on in a smart recovery group? Uh, the smart recovery is, it really just looks at the, in, in, in the whole of the next seven days. And it's really just a goal setting group around the next seven days. Um, there's a quick little, you know, little check in around how the week's been. Um, and then you identify a goal that you want to work on in the next day. And, um, you know, smart works around the fact that, um, like it's a, it's a, it's lifestyle based as well. It, yeah, it's sure it's there to help with addiction, but, um, it's to help you, um, work through the next challenging goal for the week. Right. Uh, and the group, the group will help you explore that. Right. So there's a certain amount of peer-led accountability, and that's one of the drivers for change in that, in that process. Now, when, we, when I hear the word SMART recovery, I always think of the acronym SMART for goal setting. So we've got specific, measurable, achievable, relevant, and time-specific or time-limited. Time is, uh, is that a deliberate play on words for SMART recovery? Do they use those same principles, or is it just a coincidence? No, SMART actually stands for self-management and recovery training. Right, right. Um, so, like, and maybe maybe it is a, a, a um, an attempt at, at uh, combining the two, but, right. um, yeah. But so there is goal it, setting. It's really, yeah, it's, all, it's still goal setting. 
Yeah, so. yeah. So there is goal setting, even though, and those goals have to be smart goals, I suppose. But it is uh, smart does not mean the same thing. So, what would be an example yes. of those goals? What, what would you, what would you um, think would be an appropriate goal for someone in early recovery in, in a smart recovery group? What would you advise? Well, I think I mean, actually that's a. It just reminds me now that the thing with smart recovery too is it's not abstinence based. Right. Um, so people may just be. Uh, exploring, they might be looking at ways to cut down, um, they might be looking at the problems that it's causing, um, and the group can help them explore that. But um, as I said, it's also lifestyle based. So maybe you've got a job interview coming up, maybe your sleep patterns are all over the shop, um, you know, maybe it's a difficulty in a relationship. Yeah, it's, it's anything that's going on for you at the time um, that, you, that you want help with. Okay, and moving on to Oscar. So I suppose another thing to, to reflect on is that a smart recovery group is not drug specific because you said that there was, an, there was an anonymous group for practically every drug or every pr uh, process of addiction. But there's, you don't have a smart recovery group that just is focused on alcohol or just is focused on heroin, you know, do you? you it's... it's there's no drug specificity. It's all about setting lifestyle goals. Would you agree, Oscar? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and in the in the smart group that I um, co-facilitate, the the people that come there is a great variation mm. of uh, you know of the examples that that Craig spoke on. You know, the people that um, are still figuring out whether they need to be completely abstinent or not by attempting to set goals in place to control their substance use. Um, then there's yeah. people who are in abstinence-based recovery and are looking at the secondary addictive behaviours that come when, you know, you put the substances down and you're just learning to live with this thing. Mm -hmm. um, and then, yeah, then there's people who just are there to, to help work on just any behaviour that, that they want help with becoming more manageable. So really, in this kind of group, and I suppose the question is also relevant to the other groups, but um, Oscar, I'm going to ask you, you, you've potentially got people in a room, half of whom are using drugs, the other half are abstinent, and you've got stories from the people who are using drugs, which are possibly going to be triggering again the people who are abstinent. How, how does that work? How, how do you control the... The dynamic of that group? Um, well, in the group guidelines, um, mm. it states that this group is about the here and now, and we request that people don't go into detail about their drug and alcohol use, mm -hmm. um, and that we really just look at the, at the next seven days. And yes, you're here to work on your problem, so we need to look at what the problem is. But then after addressing that, mm. we look at how, how do you want to move forward with it? So it's not right. the place where people come to unpack a lot of their stuff from the past. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's not so, really too much of an issue. So it's really not drug-focused. It's more behavior problem-focused. So it doesn't really matter yeah. what the drug is. Yeah. But, um, you know, no, how does that... And I suppose one of the things is, you know, you shouldn't really turn up to the meeting intoxicated. I would presume that that's one of the, uh, the, the guidelines. Yes, it is. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. So you, whilst you still don't have to be abstinent, you should not be acutely intoxicated because you still need to actually get benefit from the group. 
And um, moving on to you, Craig, in your role in, as a facilitator, do you do you see this in your in your groups when you're doing some form of smart recovery that it's not drug based, it's it's process and behavior based? Yeah, again, like Oscar said, it, it is a mixture of both, you know. Um, and you find that the, the, just the, the group uh, group help, helps itself. But um, and this is the thing with it: it's um, it's just looking specifically at the next seven days. It's not going into big backstories. It's not going into all this other stuff. It's purely setting a goal for the for the next week mm-hmm. and exploring the help on working with that. And if that's right. addiction based, or if that's lifestyle based, or whatever that is, it, it just doesn't matter. Right, because it is. It's like about trying to restore that lifestyle balance. Right. Now, we've spoken at length, we three, we've spoken at length about the importance of the journey and understanding self and, you know, that inner self-knowledge that, that drives recovery. And yet what you're saying is that there's, there's a model of recovery that doesn't care about the past, that doesn't care about self-understanding or relationships or... How does that work? You know, if it's just literally between you and the next seven days and that everything in the past is not really relevant, how, how can you get benefit? How can you get therapy? Uh, well, I believe that um, smart recovery alone may not necessarily give people the significant uh, behavioral change that they need to really get lasting quality recovery in regards to looking at what from your past still affects you in your present and working through that stuff. Smart definitely doesn't create a space to allow for that, but it does create a space for people to go through a process of trial and error within their goal settings and get a very clear picture of what they are and are not capable of and allows them a space where they can really tangibly move forward in small increments. Um, and I believe that, you know, in terms of the unpacking of the bags and the really, really working through all of your stuff, that uh, a different platform is more appropriate for that. It's smart for sure. Oscar, what would you say to that? Sorry, Craig, what would you say to that? Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I think um, I encourage people uh, to just to put smart recovery into, into their recovery program um, because it is the sort of thing that you, you – you, you're only looking at doing one a week. Um, it is just setting one specific goal to help you move forwards. Um, and as far like as as we know, um, the past needs to be addressed. Things like we need to look into this stuff uh, to move forward. So um, whether that's with the help of psychologists, psychiatrists, other professionals, counselling, whatever that is, um, I think smart recovery is just a magnificent tool to add to any recovery program. So it's not the whole cake, but it is perhaps the icing on the cake. That's what you're saying. Yeah, and I don't believe that any one true one treatment is actually yeah. The, yeah. The, the whole thing. No matter yeah. which treatment it is, no matter which peer group, no matter which fellowship, medical side of treatment, whatever it is, I think it's got to be a combined uh, effort in yeah. order to move forward. Right, right. So... <clears throat> Let's just recap on what smart recovery is, right? So its, fo- its focus is literally on the next week ahead. Its focus is on behaviors and processes rather than any particular drug. And there's a large element of 
peer accountability. And that's how it works. Is, would that be a fair and accurate summary of this, Oscar? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Craig, would, that, would you agree? And, yeah. And it's, I mean, one of the big things with it is it's strength-based. Right. You know, we're not looking at the negatives. We're not looking at that stuff. We're looking at strengths and building on mm -hmm. strengths from there. Right. Okay. Now, if you did want to unpack the past, what kind of peer support group would be more appropriate? Craig. Uh, well, I think um, 12 step does go into, uh, does look into the past and does mm. go through that. Um, uh. But again, I'm very, um, very cautious into as far as um, making sure that you've got the right professional supports as well. Um, depending on the trauma, depending on the past, depending on how things are for you. Um, because again, like I said, yeah, I don't think one, one fellowship, can, one, one group can, can do it all. Um, it's a combined effort. And for some people, it can be quite dangerous to delve into those traumas. So um, I think making sure that you're supported in all, all areas uh, moving forwards is very important. Um, but definitely the 12-step the fellowships do look a lot more into the past. Um, and help uncover those things in order to move forwards. All right. So, Oscar, what are the 12 steps in any 12-step process? Can you rattle them off for us quickly? Sure. So the first step uh, is we admitted that we were powerless over <clears throat> our addiction, that our lives have become unmanageable. <clears throat> Two, we came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, we made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, we made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, we admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, we humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, we made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, we made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, we continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, we sought through prayer and meditation to approve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to addicts and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, Oscar. Now, what I'm hearing there, there's a lot about God, there's a lot of introspection, and there's a lot of confronting our, our wrongdoing. That can be very challenging. Let's talk about those challenges. So first of all, let's deal with the word God. Tell me, for someone who is, t t tell me what your view is, Oscar, on, on, on that word. My view on that word has changed a lot over time. Mm -hmm. When I first, first started going to 12-step groups, mm -hmm. I, I was repulsed by the word God and I really struggled every time I heard it or saw it written somewhere. And from the beginning I was told, you don't have to believe in God to do this, you don't have to be religious. Um, so when I got my first sponsor and actually started doing the formal written step work and I got, and I got to the first step that talks about God, I, I asked him, so how do I do this? And he just said to me, why are you sitting here with, with me now? 
Uh, and I said, because I think it might help me. And he said, there you go. That's as simple as it needs to be. So, you know, and, and from there, in terms of uh, a higher power, which, uh, you know, I much prefer the term higher power than God. Um, at first, I just made the meeting, the actual group itself, my higher power, because it was really tangibly something that was bigger and more powerful than me that helped me. And moving forward from there, um, a definition of a higher power for me is just that uh, it's not me and that it's loving and caring. And those are the only two criteria that it needs to have. Um, and in terms of the way that the steps are written and the language it uses, it's just because of when it was written. Um, but if you look at what's behind it, it's all of our own understanding. It's of your own understanding. So mm. there's nothing in it which actually attempts to define that for you. Mm. So is this where you've used the word, Oscar, before, the phrase rather, unconditional kindness. Is that where unconditional kindness comes from, this, this higher power, this benevolent higher power? Well, you know, it, it certainly could be interpreted that way. Mm. Yes. All right. But I think that that, again, is up to the, the individual, you know? Yeah. So, Craig, what's your concept of the word God in the 12-step program? <clears throat> uh, yeah, pretty much as Oscar's described it. Um, and just a, a power greater than self, really. Um, I mean, I, I heard of a girl who... Uh, was really struggling with the idea of higher power and struggling with with all that and um she there was a she had a bottle of hp sauce somewhere and because it had the word hp hp on it she um used that as higher power she translated that and and this is the thing is it can be absolutely anything and um i know that god is used because it's um it's universal and it's you know it's worldwide so no matter what you sort of talk about it, it translates um, and for some, and obviously there's difficulty with this, that translation. But you know, I look at karma. I, I, I'm a believer in karma. You know, and 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 that's a power sort of thing. You know, like, so it's just something something other than you, because your best thinking is or something. Um, what's got got you to this point? You know, and and for me, that was that was what it was about. Was getting outside of self and saying, all right, well, something bigger can help me. And if I just stop trying to resist, then um, then things can change. So. so what do you say to people who, are, who, as Oscar used, said, utterly repulsed by this concept? How do you, how do you reach out to people in that situation? Oscar, how, do, how would you know? Well, to be honest, it's something that I face very, very often in the detox that I work in. Um, and, yeah, I guess I just try to share my experience with a higher power and and what my journey has been within that and i mean see if anything resonates with them and i really just encourage people to try it out along with other things along with smart recovery and other peer groups but i just say try it out and try to be open-minded and try to look past the way that it's written and don't let the way that it's written rob you of, of how it can help you what would you say to it greg yeah. uh, it's such a common story um yeah. you know it's part of why people um, go once, leave, like give it a second shot, you know, maybe months down the track they're back again and give it a go. And it can just take time to get your head around the concept. And I just encourage people to, to talk to others that have gone through it because I'll tell you what, a vast majority that are there have had that exact same struggle. And it's such a common commonality among everyone in the beginning is, 
ah, oh, the word God, it's still, yeah, still not sure, like blah, 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 it took me some time. And again, it's just time and talking and gaining some understanding of, of what it all means. Because um, if you can get past that, the rest of the process um, is can be life-changing. So that's the key thing, if you can get past that. So what I'm actually hearing is that inherent within the 12-step program is a barrier to access. What do you think about that, Craig? There's, that's what, uh, like, you know, you hear people, sometimes you hear the word cult, you hear this, you hear all sorts of things, oh, they're churchy, they're that. You know, the, the point is that a lot of meetings are held in churches and places because that's all you can hire for a couple of hours here and there, you know, like it's, it's hard to find spaces to, to, to do that. So it's this, this crossover where the word God's used in a, in a religious <laughs> environment, but uh, sometimes, yeah. but you know, sometimes they're just in meetings are just in meeting rooms or anywhere around the traps. It doesn't really matter, but um, just, yeah. It, and it, it, it is, it's, it's an obvious drawback for people, but just talk it out, talk to other people. Um, and yeah, as I said, like get past that, and you'll open yourself up to the to the next steps, which um, which is yeah where the magic happens. From what Oscar was saying to me, I was hearing there's a lot of introspection, there's a lot of self analysis. Oscar, that yeah. must also be very very challenging to have to face your demons. How do people cope with that? They don't do it alone, and. <laughs> I think the most important thing here is that the steps are in order for a reason. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't you don't get into twelve step recovery and then get the idea of of the fact that you're powerless and you can't do it alone and start to look at what a higher power might be and then bang, all of a sudden you're into writing a list of all the people you make amends to. You know, it's yeah. it's it's all in order for a reason, and mm. it's a, it can be a gentle process. I think it should be a gentle process. And, I, you know, I think it would be dangerous to try and just face all of that alone and to write all that stuff down and look at all of that. But that's yeah. the purpose of having a sponsor who essentially is somebody who has experience in working the 12 steps, who is able to take you through and guide you through that process. And if you find oh. the right person, um, it's it's really the, the, the quality of... Um, you know, cognitive behavioral change that exists within the 12 steps, in my opinion, is without parallel. So this brings me on to my point. As painful as it may be, such introspection actually is necessary to drive recovery. Is that what you're saying, Oscar? Oh, 100%. Whether you do it through the 12 steps or otherwise, it's, right. yeah. So without self-analysis, without introspection, there is no recovery. That's, is that true? Is that what you're saying? I think that's a very personal thing. I remember when I first got into recovery, I was told that abstinence doesn't equal recovery. Yeah. And through my years in recovery, I've seen people stay clean for years but not do the work. Mm -hmm. And most of the time they just go mad. Right. Um, you know, and, and, and I've looked at them and thought, I don't want to end up like that, <laughs> you know. Um, I've actually looked at people like that before and thought, I reckon using again looks better than this, than the state that, that some of these people end up in. Um, so, but, but then for others, recovery might not even mean abstinence. So again, it's, it, it's a very personal thing. What do you think, Craig? Do you think that introspection is a challenge or is it valuable? 
Does it drive recovery? Is it even necessary? Uh, yeah, I believe it's essential. Um, gaining a greater understanding of what's brought you to the point that you're at um, and looking at your part in it um, and and in doing so, what you can do to change change that in the future and how you can prevent that from happening again. Um, but I think that the, for me personally, I think that the greater understanding of, of self um, is the, the better prospects of moving forwards. Um, and, yeah, and I just really like what Oscar said there too about um, just being mindful of what we tend to throw the word recovery around a lot with the thought that it means abstinence, but but not everyone it, it's abstinence um, in 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 their case, and, and it's, it's a it's a really um, it, it's a really personal decision that one. So, we talked about how the smart recovery model does not require abstinence. Are you saying that also the twelve step models do not require abstinence as well? Uh, no, 12, 12 step um, is looking at abstinence. Mm -hmm. um, what I'm saying is that recovery itself does not require abstinence. Right, right, right. So we're and, confused, and that's confusing those. Yeah. Right. Okay. But, but also, Go with, on. With, 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 I was just going to say, with with 12 step, the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop. Right. So you can go to a meeting in absolutely any state and... You know, I've I've seen a lot of people do twelve step meetings for years and say they're on um, some kind of uh, ORT, like some kind of drug replacement. So by you know by the by NA standards, they're not clean, um, and they will be in that environment for years, slowly and sensibly reducing, and they do eventually end up abstinent. But throughout that whole time, they're working recovery and they're doing it and they're supported. So when they jump off the replacement, they have a much higher success rate because they've got a whole new life that they've built while they're reducing. And yes, I yes. think that that's a really, yeah, a really great place to be able to do that as well. Again, I mean, it makes I, I, you think about the steps, doesn't it? It's just another step towards where you want to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I struggle sometimes with the, the, with the boundary or the, the border between, I mean, I'm even using terms like boundaries and borders. Let's use a term like interface. I struggle sometimes with the interface between 12-step uh, and my prescribing of opioid replacement therapy. So let's just clarify that. I, I think it's important for people who are on opioid replacement therapy to, to understand where that fits into a to a recover to a twelve step based model of of peer support care, is it a barrier? Is being on ORT, being on methadone or suboxone, or any such like a barrier to accessing twelve step recovery? No, not not in the slightest. No, and yeah. the reason people, that it is go, the way so it is is go on, Oscar. Sorry, I was just going to say that the 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 reason that uh, it is the way it is in 12-step recovery is that people in 12-step recovery and who wrote the model for it believe and know that a greater freedom is possible. Mm. It may not be safe for some. It may not be where people end up, but it is mm. possible. And 
if you do want that greater freedom where you, where you want to be completely absent and off the drug replacement and off everything, this is a place where you can do that and where we can support you in doing that. So that's, I think a really important distinction that that's why it's complete abstinence is because it's the belief in the greater freedom, really, that that, that is possible. And and that, I think it's all important to emphasize, certainly in the case of methadone maintenance therapy, that coming off methadone has to be a gradual, slow control process that for some people could take years. And I'm hearing from you both that uh, the 12-step recovery model facilitates that gradual, safe, supported reduction over years. It's not a, I mean, it's not a jump. I mean, someone used the word jump, but we're not jumping off methadone. Because in my view, uh, jumping yeah. off methadone is a, is a recipe for relapse. Yeah, and I think the word yeah, support absolutely. in there is really important. Um, and this is one of, the, one of the biggest things I've found with 12-step recovery is it's a supportive environment and you've got the support of other people and you've got the support of other people's experience. And, you know, as we keep saying, you can't go through it alone. So uh, having that support along however however long it takes, yeah, it's just about giving, giving it the crack in, in that environment. Guys, we've run out of time so quickly. <laughs> Thanks very much. Now, I'm going to ask you both this question. I want one final message of hope from both of you, and I'm going to pick on Craig first. Final message of hope from you about about peer support groups. Uh, I think just to back over what I was just saying that um, this can't be done alone um, and learning off the experience of others, being that 12-step, be that smart recovery, being at organisational-led peer support, um, whatever that is. But um, there's so much support in um, shared understanding and shared experience that's just invaluable to helping you move forwards and, and changing the future outcomes. Oscar, what would you say? Just that there's no right or wrong answer and that nobody should allow anybody else to define what their recovery should look like. And yeah. just to really have a go at various different models, just throw everything you can at it. There's a lot of support out there. And if you actually give it a proper go, something will stick, something will resonate with you. Gentlemen, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. That's it for today's MedHeads. My name's Dr. Fergal Armstrong. We'll see you next time.